verse for this series is First uh, Timothy chapter 4, verse 7, which says, train yourself for godliness. And godliness basically is living the way that God wants us to live. That's the goal. And if you really study that word train in that verse, you'll come to the understanding that the word has to do with athletic training. So, Paul is saying to Timothy that we need to train for godliness like an athlete trains. And how does an athlete train? Well, you think of things like discipline, dedication, perseverance, hard work. We're to train for godliness like an athlete trains. An athlete has daily routines that he or she believes will lead to athletic success. And so Christians also need daily routines that will lead to our goal, which is godliness. So the spiritual disciplines, as we call them, need to become daily, regular routines in our lives. Our daily routines really impact our spiritual growth. The goal is growth to maturity, godliness, Christ-likeness. That's our goal. Train yourself for godliness. So we've looked at Bible intake. There are many ways we can take in the Bible, we can, we can hear it, we can read it, we can study it, we can memorize it, we can meditate upon it, and we can apply it. Today we're shifting gears, we're looking at prayer. In his book, Spiritual Disciplines for the Christian Life, uh, Donald Whitney writes, of all the spiritual disciplines, prayer is second only to the intake of God's word in importance. So we know that prayer is important. Probably none of us who are Christians would disagree with that statement. Prayer is important. But sometimes we wonder, how does prayer work? Now, how do I know what I should pray for? Why does it seem like I'm not really getting any results from my prayer? So we know prayer is important, but we have questions about prayer. But the fact is, we don't have to understand prayer in order to pray. It's sort of like how I don't need to understand how a computer works in order to send an email. You know, I just go to my email account, I write an email, type it out, put the person's email address at the top, and I hit send. You know, I don't have to understand the internet, how this message goes from my computer to someone else's computer. I don't have to understand all of those technical intricacies. I just need to send the email. So we don't have to understand everything there is to know about prayer in order to pray. Uh, Tim Challies, who actually attends a Fellowship Baptist Church in Toronto, uh, in one of his recent blog posts entitled, It's Okay to Just Pray, writes the following. 
I have yet to meet the Christian who has mastered prayer. In fact, I have yet to meet the Christian who feels like much more than a beginner in the school of prayer. Though I know many who pray, I know few who are convinced they really understand prayer. In a strange way, I find it heartening to learn that even one of my most trusted and respected theologians has declined to write a book on the subject and wondered, quote, who can write or speak at any length easily on the mystery of prayer? So if you have questions about prayer, if you don't understand everything there is to know about prayer, then there are many other Christians just like you. Our task is not to understand prayer, but just to pray. Uh, on Wednesday, uh, I came home from, from working here at the church, and, and sometimes uh, I take a break and, and go to the gym. But uh, when I got home, I told Marcia that I just felt too tired that day, and uh, I didn't go to the gym. And then she proceeded to tell me that Wednesday was just do it day, a day to action and do whatever it takes to make your life better. And I said to her, well, if I, if I would have known that, then I probably would have went to the gym. You're telling me this a little late. Uh, but uh, with prayer, that, that, that could be our motto. You know, if we believe that prayer is important, if we do believe that, that prayer works, then we just need to do it. We just need to pray, even though we might not understand everything there is to know about prayer. In many ways, it is a mystery to us. We're going to go, maybe you're still there if you opened up your Bibles to Hebrews chapter 4. We're going to look at Hebrews chapter 4, verses 14 through 16. And in those three verses, there are three things that are true when we pray. When we pray, we need to be convinced of these three things. So first, when we pray, we are welcomed. Look at the third verse, verse 16. Let us then with confidence draw near to the throne of grace. So God's children have an invitation to God's throne room. We're able to enter God's presence because of Jesus, who is our great high priest. That's spoken of in Hebrews chapter 2, which Ruth read. It's spoken of here in Hebrews chapter 4, Jesus is our great high priest. There's a contrast between Jesus and the high priests of the Old Testament days. Jesus is a greater high priest. A high priest was someone who would enter the presence of God. In the tabernacle, later the temple, he would enter into that most holy place. But Jesus is a greater high priest. He offered a once-for-all sacrifice, a sacrifice of his own body and blood. You know, the high priest would enter just once a year on the Day of Atonement. They would bring that sacrifice, but it would be an animal sacrifice, the blood of an animal into the most holy place. Jesus brought the sacrifice of his own body and blood. We're told in the Gospels that as he, as he died on the cross, 
the curtain or the veil in the temple was torn from top to bottom, symbolizing that the way into God's holy presence had been opened, that we are now able to, in Christ, go into the presence of God. There's no longer a veil, a curtain separating between us and him. The way has been opened. Jesus, as it says in verse 14, he has passed through the heavens. He is there today. He has entered and we are invited into the throne room of God. We are invited to draw near to the throne of grace. There's a line in the uh, Anglican book of common prayer that says, God is always more ready to hear than we are to pray. I like that line. It really should amaze us that God is always more ready to hear than we are to pray. He wants us to come into his presence. He wants to hear from us. He wants us to pray. When you pray, think about the greatness of God. He is the creator. Think about how great he is. Think about the greatness of the gospel, the giving of Christ to die for our sins. The perfect one dying for sinners. It should amaze us that this God wants to hear from us. So we shouldn't really view prayer as an obligation. In one sense, it is a duty of the Christian life to pray, but really we shouldn't look at it as just an obligation. We should look at it as an opportunity. We get to go to God. We get to go to the throne of grace. We're welcomed when we pray. And not only can we approach the throne of grace as individuals, we can also approach the throne of grace as a church family. And uh, we're encouraging you to come out tonight to our prayer gathering. You know, typically a prayer meeting is the least attended gathering of the church for whatever reason. Maybe we're not excited about prayer and prayer can be difficult and we don't have all the answers to the questions about prayer. Maybe we're afraid to pray in the presence of others. There could be all sorts of reasons for that. Maybe we just don't believe in the power of prayer. Whatever the case is, it's hard to get people to come out to a prayer meeting. But what we see in the New Testament and the book of Acts is that uh, those first believers found it extremely important to, to pray together. They gathered together for prayer. And so we can approach the throne of grace as individuals but also it's important to approach the throne of grace as a church. So when we pray, we are welcomed. We have an invitation, draw near, we're told, and we are welcomed. Second, second thing we should be convinced of when we pray is that when we pray, we are understood. Now, it would be helpful to know a little bit of the context of the book of, of Hebrews, uh, we did go through the book of Hebrews a few years ago. It was back in 2020. But if you remember the context, or if you don't, 
The context is that the writer, we don't actually know who the writer is for sure, but the writer is writing to, to Jewish believers who are, who are tempted, many of them tempted to, to go back to their old way of life. They're facing persecution. And so as, as one commentator says, the problem with those to whom our author is writing is that instead of drawing near, they are in danger of drawing back. Danger of going away from God rather than drawing closer to God. And so that was their temptation. And verse 14 says, let us hold fast our confession. So some of them were tempted to let go of their confession or of their faith, in other words. And so that's the context of the book of Hebrews. That's why he's telling them to to draw near and to, to hold fast. When you think about the life of Jesus, he faced a similar temptation. There were many times throughout the Gospels where we read that Jesus uh, was tempted to, to draw back, to, to uh, take a shortcut or to abandon uh, the mission that he was given by the Father. Uh, you think of the temptation of, of, uh, of Satan very early on in his ministry, even before his ministry began, really, where he was tempted to, to uh, really take a shortcut, that he would be given everything if he would just bow down and give his allegiance to Satan, to avoid the cross and all of that. Uh, Peter, when Jesus predicted for the first time that he would be arrested and, and crucified, Peter said that would never happen. And Jesus says, uh, depart from me, Satan. He saw that as a temptation to to, uh, abandon what he was on earth to do. There was the the struggle in the Garden of Gethsemane. I'm sure he felt that temptation not to go forward. And so Jesus, he faced a similar temptation to the people who are the recipients, the original recipients of the book of Hebrews. As we see in verse 15 of Hebrews 4, we do not have a high priest who is unable to sympathize with our weaknesses, but one who in every respect has been tempted as we are, yet without sin. Notice it says in every respect, in every way, he's been tempted as we are. It's not a sin to be tempted, to feel that temptation, He felt that temptation, yet he did not sin. And so if we turn that first part of the verse around, we could say, we have a high priest who is able to sympathize with our weaknesses, with our struggles, uh, with the temptations that we face. Not just with the temptation to, to turn back, like it's talked about in the book of Hebrews, but we face other temptations. We face other uh, struggles. We face other hardships and, and, and disappointments and all of that. Uh, and when we go to the Lord in prayer, when we accept his invitation to the throne of grace and we pray, uh, we pray to the one who understands what we're going through because Jesus, our great high priest, went through the same kind of things. He's been tempted uh, and the temptations can involve temptations to sin or uh, the trials of life, he's, he's experienced all of that. He just doesn't know it uh, because God knows all things. He knows it because he experienced 
these things as a man. And so when we pray, we are understood. And then the third thing we need to be convinced of when we pray, when we pray, we are heard. Uh, The end of verse 16 says that we may receive mercy and find grace to help in time of need. God has told us to pray because he hears prayer and prayer works. In Psalm 65, the psalmist describes God as you who hear prayer. So the command to pray really is a command of love. It is good for us. It is for our benefit that we pray. Now it's true that sometimes God wants us to have persistence in prayer. In Matthew 7, verse 7, Jesus says, Ask, and it will be given to you. Seek, and you will find. Knock, and it will be opened to you. That doesn't, though, mean that the answers always immediately come. In the original Greek, the verbs ask, seek, and knock are in the present continuous tense, which means that Jesus is really saying, keep on asking, keep on seeking, keep on knocking. Sometimes we have to pray persistently before we see answers to our prayers. Of course, there are times when we're just praying for the wrong things. We don't have the wisdom of God, and he knows that what we're asking for is not the best thing we could be asking for. And that's where it gets into how we don't really understand a lot about prayer. We don't have all the answers to those questions, but again, we just need to pray. We have the promise of God's word that when we pray, we are heard. So, let me just give you two suggestions for prayer. And I don't make these suggestions thinking that I'm the expert on prayer. Again, there's so much about prayer that we don't understand. But let me give you two suggestions for prayer. Prayer suggestion number one is make meditation the bridge between your Bible reading and prayer. Meditation. We talked about that last week. Uh, but here's what we often do. We often we, we read our Bible, we close it, and there's really no connection between what we read in God's Word and our prayers. But if we meditate on what God says in His Word then our Bible reading and our prayer becomes a conversation with God. We talk about having a relationship with God, so we should have a conversation with God. Listening to God in His Word and then responding to God in prayer. So it becomes a conversation if we're meditating, if there's that connection between God's Word and prayer. And meditation can be that, that, that bridge, that connection between uh, our, our reading of God's Word and our prayer. And if we do that, then it becomes a conversation with God. And, and what we're, we're responding to what He's telling us. And then we're uh, praying. Then prayer suggestion number two. This is really simple, though 
not easy to put into practice. Plan to pray. Now, I don't mean by that just, yeah, I'd like, to, I'd like to pray. I'd like to do a better job at that. But really plan to pray. You know, people say, I want to declutter my house. But how are you going to do that? You know, what's your plan? You know, you can say, I, I, I want to declutter my house this year. But if we don't really have a plan to do that, chances are we're not going to do it. You need to make a plan. You know, I would, if I were going to do that, I would, I would set a start date. This is when I'm going to start. I'm going to start with maybe the kitchen cupboards, clean those out on Monday. Saturday, I'm going to clean my closet, and I would do it little by little until it was done, to have a, have a plan, schedule it out. Now, we say, I want to spend more time in prayer. We started off, or I started off, by talking about how, how Christians generally say that prayer is important. Uh, if we're struggling to devote time to prayer, we say, well, I'd like, to, I'd like to spend more time praying. But, you know, how are you going to do that? What's, what's, our, what's your plan to do that? You know, it's, it's said, I think it was uh, Benjamin Franklin who said it, if you fail to plan, you are planning to fail. So, you know, set a time to pray each day or even multiple times. But if you're not doing that, then set a time to pray. And, of course, you can pray spontaneously throughout the day. You know, First Thessalonians says pray without ceasing. You can do that. But will you think to pray throughout the day? Or why not do both? Why not have a plan to set aside a certain time of day each day to pray, but also pray throughout the day? Why not do both? Plan to pray. It would be nice if we didn't have to plan to do it, but human nature is that if we don't plan to do it, if we don't, uh, are not disciplined and, and do not set aside a certain time to do it, we might not end up doing it. So those are a couple suggestions for prayer. Make meditation the bridge between your Bible reading and prayer. Make prayer, uh, Bible reading and prayer, a, a conversation with God and plan. Have a real plan to pray. Let me close with this. Hebrews 4.16 tells us that, as we already saw, that we have an invitation to the throne of grace. So we know that. We all have an invitation as God's children to the throne of grace. God welcomes us into his presence. He wants to hear from us. But imagine that Jesus himself came to you and personally invited you to pray. What if he were to say to you, I wish you would talk to me more? How would that, how would that affect you? If Jesus personally came to you and said, I wish you would talk to me more. Now, if that happened to me, I think how often I prayed and how I pray, that that would forever be changed. But the reality is, is that Jesus actually is saying that to us. Scripture repeatedly tells us to pray. Through his word, Jesus speaks to us, and he's saying, I want to hear from you. He says, come to the throne of grace. You will be welcomed. You will be understood. 
and you will be heard. 